grace and mercy and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, this passage from 1 Corinthians is one of the most misquoted passages of the Holy Scriptures that I have heard as I sit by hospital beds, deathbeds, and sickbeds. I have been with people who are going through tough times, be it due to health or happiness, finances or family, and they say, God will not give me more than I can endure. They are paraphrasing this verse that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, which we read in today's epistle lesson. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. As they quote it or misquote it, I am always getting the sense from them that they think that God will relent or release them from the affliction that they are enduring. That if they have cancer, he will cure it. If they are in poverty, he will alleviate it. If their marriage is failing, he will save it. If they are unhappy, he will make them happy once again. Indeed, if any of those things happen, they are certainly a gift from God. But that is not what Paul is talking about here. He says, God will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Paul does not say God will relieve you of suffering. He speaks of standing strong in the face of temptation, and temptation means that you will be tempted into sin. Quoted by most Christians, they say, God will not test me beyond my ability to withstand. In other words, soon enough the troubles will let up. I just need to hang on for a bit and God will relent. Is that right? Will God relent? The prophet Joel says, who knows whether God will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind or a grain offering or a drink offering for the Lord your God. The strength that God gives you is to keep you from falling into sin, not to lead your happy, healthy life now. You would think then that having weak faith is better because the test will be less severe, for those with strong faith will be able to endure more and fall into sin less. Except that Paul says to the church in Corinth that they must be disciplined. Paul says, but I discipline my body, I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself am disqualified. That's it. Dear friends, I don't want to be disqualified from the prize of eternal life. I don't want my sin to draw me away from the salvation that God has given me in his son. I don't want to be drawn into temptation and thus disqualify myself for the prize. Can't happen, you say. Paul says, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant about those Israelites those Christians of the Old Testament who were under the cloud of God's protection. They passed through the Red Sea and were saved from the Pharaoh and his chariots. Those Israelites who were baptized into Moses and followed him because God promised to use Moses to lead them safely to the promised land. And Moses led those Israelites into a relationship with God. These Israelites ate bread from heaven, manna in the wilderness that God had provided, and it would sustain them until they reached the promised land. These Israelites drank water from the rock that Moses struck so that they might endure as they traveled to the promised land. 
These Israelites had the same spiritual rock that we have, Jesus Christ. So Paul says the rock they drank from, the rock that followed them, was the Christ. Why does Paul warn the Corinthians against being disqualified from reaching the promised land of eternal life? Well, Paul says these Israelites of the Old Testament, these Old Testament Christians, they had it all. They had the protection of God. They had a mediator in Moses. They had spiritual food and drink to sustain them on the journey. And they had the rock of Christ. And then Paul says, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. How many, how many of those who originally started out from slavery in Egypt made it to the promised land? Out of the hundreds of thousands of the original ones who started out, how many made it? Two, Joshua and Caleb, who trusted God's promises. The others died in the wilderness because they were tempted into sin. Moses goes away for 40 days and Aaron makes a golden calf for the people saying, These are your gods, O Egypt, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. These Israelites went back to their pagan practices that they learned in the land of Egypt and 23,000 of them perished in a day. On the way to the promised land, those Israelites become impatient and they say to Moses, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no food here and there is no water here and we loathe this worthless manna. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and the people of Israel died. The Israelites speak against God's mediator, Moses, saying, Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in this wilderness, that you must also make yourself a prince over us? These grumblers who were tempted into sin are killed by God by a plague, numbering 14,700 plus. Paul says all of these are given as an example to you of what happens to those who are idolaters, sexually immoral, those who put Christ to the test and grumble against God. Therefore, Paul says, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. Now, in the light of all that Paul says and has given as examples to the Corinthians and to us, he says this, no temptation has overtaken you that is common, not common to man be it hunger or thirst, failure of your health or failure of your relationships, be it poverty or pain or persecution or trial, all of these things will work to test not just your heart and your patience, but your faith. You will be tempted in this life as a Christian to walk away from God, to blame God, to grumble against God, to turn to a new God, to be your own God, to curse God, to hate God, and all of that is sin. Sin which separates you from God and thus disqualifies you from eternal life. So I ask you, have you ever given in to temptation? Even though God promises through Paul that you will not be tempted beyond your ability to withstand, have you ever crumbled under the weight of the load, turned into sin instead of away from it? If you are like me, the answer is yes. 
And considering what Paul has outlined as the consequences, then we shall also die in the wilderness of this life, falling short of the promised land, eternal life. Looking through today's readings, and I did a lot of looking, there seems to be an awful lot of despair. Jesus says in the gospel lesson for today, repent or die. He says that those Galileans who died under the hand of Pilate were no worse or no better than the other Galileans who did not. And those who died in the collapsed tower of Siloam were no worse or better than the other citizens of Jerusalem. I believe that these lessons are paired together to say that those Old Testament Christians who grumbled against God, who were sexually immoral, who were idolaters and no greater were no greater sinners than we are. What then is the good news in all of this? Dear friends, it is in these three words. These three little words that Paul has buried in a mountain of law. God is faithful. The Israelites were not, the Galileans were not, the citizens of Jerusalem were not, the Corinthians were not, and we are not, but God is faithful. Paul says God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. That is, your faith will hold, not because you don't fail and fall, but because God will hold you in that faith unto life everlasting. God is faithful. So faithful to you that he sent his son to be faithful unto death, to pay for your sins and bring you unto everlasting life. You see, you do repent. You turn. You turn to the one who saves you and your repentance is not of your own will or volition, but a gift of God. The presence and prompting of the Holy Spirit that says, return. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. You see, at the top of the mountain of all of this law stands the Lord's cross, emptying sin and death and the devil of its power over you. In Christ, you are forgiven and eternal life is yours. Dear friends, if you are sick, if you are poor or broken or sad, God has you. Lift up your head and look to the skies because Jesus is coming to get you. And soon enough, our Lord will come and take you home. And it is there that he will turn your sickness to health, your poverty to riches, your brokenness to fullness, and your sadness to joy. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen. And now let us pray. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in and through Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Hi, Pastor Sai here. I hope this message was encouraging for you. At Riverbend Lutheran Church, our goal is to support Christians in their daily walk with God and in proclaiming the love of Christ to a lost and broken world. We're a small and inviting congregation welcoming any and all who are sinful, hurting, seeking, or simply broken. Whether you're already a Christian and are looking for a church home or you're undecided about your faith and looking for answers, you are welcome here. We have a number of programs for all ages and walks of life. 
Sunday mornings we have worship followed by educational programs for all ages. Please join us. For more information, you can visit us online at www.riverbendlutheran.com. Call us at 780-430-7382 or email me at pastor at riverbendlutheran.com. Better yet, stop in for a visit. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace.